get the tea from me. LVB. Hello and welcome to the What's the Gossip podcast with me, your host, Lee Van Bryan. And today I'm joined by drag queen superstar, the owner of drag queen merch, professional troll, and Britney Spears enthusiast, Bible Girl. Hello, Lee. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. No problem. Um, Do you actually remember the first time we met, though? Okay, so was it at Drag World year... I mean, I, for some for some reason, year one or two has popped in my head, but am I wrong? Correct. It was um, the second Drag World uh, UK, I think it was in 2018, and you were outside having a cigarette, <laughs> and you were like, hi, I'm Bible Girl. And I was like, no, you're not. You're Uma Compton. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we must clarify for the children. For the children. I am not Uma Compton. <laughs> um, okay, but well. Yes, I remember. I'm going to need to see some evidence on that. However, I am obsessed with Uma Compton. What's your thoughts on it? Well, here's the thing. I think I think trolling on the internet has taken on a much different nature where we are, like in our global culture in general. But I think what Uma, from like a fascination standpoint for me, I was interested in like 2015 era Uma because it was like, understanding nuance while being more self-aware and not being overtly offensive. But I feel like we've kind of, we've, well, not kind of, we've definitely crossed a line in Uma Compton universe where it's just kind of like overtly offensive. And I think that's something that doesn't really work with trolling, especially in 2021. I mean, I agree. Like her Facebook, her Instagram, her Twitter, it's just all insane. It's its absolutely absurd. I mean, it's complete absurdity. That's the thing. And I, and I understand the aspect and the perspective of wanting to be like that type of an edgelord because that was a, a piece of internet culture probably like 15 years or so ago where it was definitely a normalized behavior and output and I think I think again that goes back to that level of self-awareness where I feel like maybe somewhere down along the line whoever is or was behind the original account where it got a little derailed in terms of just being fully insensitive to other people I wonder if just like they you know, they crossed a mental line where it got bigger than them and they didn't understand. And then they just started getting offensive because it's an intoxicating power when you are a troll like that. Um, so I don't know. I really wish it wasn't as overtly offensive as it is these days, but I appreciate its origins. Do you think the original creator of Uma Compton is the one behind the music as well? Or do you think it's someone else? It's really hard to tell because, you know, everyone has so many different burner accounts these days and anyone can sign up on DistroKid and just create like a streaming universe for a character if they really want to, because the moderation of what's really being output on those streaming services, as we can see through that type of genre on there um it's not that tightly regulated so for people that don't know you didn't actually go down the whole rupaul's drag race route you actually built yourself from the ground up isn't that correct um yeah to a degree i i would definitely chew my horn and say i've crafted my universe where i'm able to manifest the success that i want to see for myself um but i would say that i've also done that in the vein of being able to pay attention and take stock in what the industry and the culture are doing at the time and try to forecast based off of that as well. So you've gone on then to create drag queen merch, which is like following in your father's footsteps. He used to do licensed mm. apparel, isn't it? Yeah. So my dad has been working in licensed apparel and merchandising for the past, like almost 30 years now. So it's, it's been something that I always grew up around and always took an interest in because as my dad was working through that industry, it wasn't always just like at the top of his game. So it was a lot of trial and error and teaching himself things as well. So when I was younger, I would always see him dabbling in Photoshop or teaching himself how to uh, develop organic graphics just from the ground up. And so that's something that I had him teach me out of my own peaked interest when I was really young. And then from there started to develop my own sense of skill and how I um, translated using programs like that. 
on top of then business acumen, which I would just be always be interested in any conversation or dialogue he would have where he'd just be explaining experience or what was going on at the time. And so that's just kind of where I understood at a baseline how a merchandising and apparel commerce universe operates. But I also did go to fashion design school, majored in women's wear fashion design. So I've tried to take a lot of different elements from my life and uh, interest, so to speak. So like fashion and trying to segue it into the channel of drag and segueing into the channel of other interests I have and just trying to make it become a more con- uh, conglomerated universe, like I was saying at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So when did you begin like doing drag? Where did the name Bible Girl 666 come from? So Bible Girl 666 was just a username I was using like when I was socializing with my friends online. And it was based off of MySpace, Edgelord, Counterculture, uh, where people were doing like the scene kid follow trains. And it was like Natalie Nightmare would be someone's name or something like that. So I just wanted to be really on the nose about it. And because I, I lived I lived a lot of my teenage adolescent or adolescent life rather. Um, on the internet, I grew up pretty sheltered, not in like, not, it wasn't like in a bad way, but my parents were just very overprotective. And so that's just where I found my community of misfits, so to speak on the internet and people who just kind of understood my own interests and I did the same. And that's just where I had a, uh, my sense of understanding of how the internet worked, which then now full circle is how I understood how I was going to navigate creating a character like Bible Girl or a business like DQM. So who's your inspiration behind Bible Girl? Who do you think you are when you got that wig on? I mean, the second I'm in full regalia and my foot hits the stage and like I feel a bass thump in from the sound system, I I mean, you can't tell me nothing. I feel like my hair flips are w- one with Britney. I agree. Um, so thanks. <laughs> in terms of energy, I try to always match that level of stage presence. Um, the, the only other like performer I could say that has the same it, it, immediately coming on stage is like Beyonce. I mean, I saw you at the Drag World Drag Ball on the Friday night. Yes. And as soon as I heard circus pumping through the speakers, I've never ran so fast <laughs> from the backstage to the back of that stage to watch you flip away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> than anything else in my entire life. I mean, like us Britney fans need to stick together. I also have the most vivid memory of you. It was, did you send Molly off to get you the pride edition of fantasy? It was, <laughs> I still have the box. Yeah. I just remember thinking this, she's the real deal. This is the real deal. Oh, right thanks. Here. That means a lot. Speaking of MySpace, uh, what was your MySpace song and why was it Gimme More? I did have Gimme More as my MySpace song. In fact, I think <laughs> it was the Lil' Kim remix, the Kimmy Moore one. Oh, the remix um, that nobody asked for. Yeah, no, Jive had nothing to do with it, which I live for. <laughs> so cheeky. Um, so we're moving on then. You're taking part currently mm-hmm. in the Deep Dive, mm-hmm. which is completely behind the Free Britney movement. And th- that premieres tomorrow, is it? Yeah, F. FX and Hulu, I don't remember what time it comes out at tomorrow, but I'm sure it's a primetime slot. It's Britney. Obviously. But um, I'm very excited and looking forward uh, to the FX one. Mm-hmm. I am taking everything media-based about Free Britney very much with a grain of salt. Yeah. Just because it's a tale of two different camps and perspectives. So... I'm just, you know, hoping that they don't misconstrue those that have been really involved with the Free Britney movement as conspiracy theorists and don't give an ambiguity to what Jamie Spears is actually doing behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, But that being said, I am grateful to the Deep Dive team. They just aired part five two days ago, I believe. It was so good. And I've been brought on since the beginning to help piece together timelines mm-hmm. and understanding a bit more of the nuances within that timeline. Yeah. And um, they've done such a great job. They literally work day and night. Uh, it, it's just, it's remarkable what they've put together. It's like on 60 minutes level production. It's incredible. Because you've been at all the Free Britney rallies in LA, haven't you? Yeah, so I was at the first three outside of the Stanley Moss Courthouse uh, before pandemic. Now these days, just because the numbers are so bad, I stay indoors. But I do 
find solace in the fact that at least I do have a bit more of a platform online anyway. So I am at the very least able to like signal boost and bring a bit more awareness to it. And there are still going to be bodies outside of the courtroom or the courthouse rather in that aspect. But there have also been virtual rallies and those have garnered a lot of media attention too. So I don't think it has to be done just one way either. Exactly. However, do you think there's a strategy with a team constantly leaking like unused demos and mood ring remixes every time something negative to the conservatorship comes out and like how they're like, and they're constantly going, look over there, diverting mm-hmm, attention mm-hmm, away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the art of distraction is very interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the timing to me, we see it as obvious, but they clearly see it as we're not picking up on it. Mm -hmm. But with what leaked the other day, I was seeing online that apparently it's been circulating around in like circles of uh, demo traders and there are different forums and chat groups for stuff like that. So it's been in the ether for a minute, but I find the timing of it being available for like public consumption is very interesting. Mm. And we've seen that that bears repeating with like when the Make Me original video released like the same week that it came out that Britney was put into the mental institution. There are little things like that. And it's really hard to ignore and we'd be remiss in ignoring it. Yeah. I mean, they must really think we're stupid because they like starve us the entire time. We don't get any new music. We don't get no nothing. Everything they give us is mundane. And all of a sudden we're getting all the unreleased tracks that we've been mm-hmm. badgering them for and all the unused iconic photo shoots. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is going to happen when this fully goes to court and all the dirty laundry comes out? Well, I think the process here has been, as we can see, long-term and arduous and bumpy. And it's because of those types of distractions. And when you have so much just like slithering in the minutia like that, it really mucks up the legal process. And what we see uh, on an over and over again basis here is that there just tends to be prolonged delays. And it's just a very hands up, oh, if there is something we could do, I don't know when there's like plenty on record information where I always say follow the money because the, there's there's a lack of linearity and it doesn't add up. And I think if you even look beyond that and how they put Britney in a permanent conservatorship under the guise of her having dementia, but have paraded her around on several world tours and pumped out like four and a half albums since the conservatorship was put in place. I really have to wonder why someone like her is under this in the first place. I mean, don't you find it really interesting that most of like team Britney are all jumping ship and like her assistant of a thousand million years, Mm -hmm. uh, Felicia is taking part in this documentary, speaking out against it. Well, I'm hopeful that having Fee's perspective and angle because she was so Mm. close by proxy to Britney and like seeing how this developed over time or how she was pushed out because of it. She has a little bit more nuance based on experience versus actually understanding what's been going on. So I'd be curious just to hear what her candid point of view is without any point of like what the legalese behind it is. Because if she point blank says like Britney thought she was going to get out, this is why she signed up for it. Like that's kind of all you need to know because we've been told that on record before. To be honest, I just want someone to give her kids back their Instagram so they can go live again. Do you remember that? Yeah. So that uh, part five closed out with that on the deep dive. Yeah. And I remember when that happened, like in real time. And I feel like that was that. I mean, that was only last summer. Yeah. And that was where it really felt like the facade was cracking. Like we've seen it chipping away in the past two years since that initial voicemail came through to Britney's gram. But really seeing these little glimmers of her universe speaking about it or speaking to it in small ways is really, really interesting. What do you think about the allegations that Jamie Spears was allegedly Mm -hmm. like violent and abusive to her sons? I mean, I would just say, let the record show. If there's allegations about physical abuse in the home, we've known that he's had a destructive personality. Yeah. So it's not that far off that it would happen. And I've Mm -hmm. seen that 
allegedly happening because he's someone who strikes me as very hot heated in the moment reactionary without thinking about long term so something had to have made him potentially snap Mm. because that's when that facade cracks so something something that was done or said yeah uh, uh, triggered his reaction point to being so instantaneous mm. without having any foresight about what uh, any repercussions could be and he shook the kid which means that he had a snap in judgment a snap in behavior and that's not a uh, justification for it or a defense for it yeah but if i were to imagine how it played out allegedly i would imagine that it wasn't a part of his plan for the yeah. day i think it's quite telling as well mm-hmm. that most of the family have uh, abandoned him except for like Jamie Lynn, who's brought out that Zoe 101 song that she flat out refused to release back in the day when everyone actually wanted it. And then she did like, I think Mm -hmm. I saw something like, there was like a scandal with the merch. Yeah, there was some kind of scandal with the merch. Um, But I think outside of Jamie Lynn, the only other person within the family that's like directly involved, which I always thought was a really weird one, is Brian Spears, their brother. And he did an interview with this YouTube channel called As Not Seen on TV. And it's uh, the interviewer, his name is Drew Plotkin. And he and Brian Spears came on uh, and essentially said the quiet part out loud. He, uh, he got grilled and there wasn't a plan for his answers. And he deliberately said Britney's wanted out of this for a long time. And I think what's really weird is that headlines from like TMZ or even recently like CNN's blog contributor spot um, all seem to glaze over the fact that her own brother said that she's never wanted to be in it. It's very, very telling. And it's 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 weird how something that's been so airtight is getting leaks left, right and center from within <laughs> the actual camp itself and it's you it's the people that can't be replaced that i find that are speaking Mm -hmm. out because they know it's just gonna backfire Mm -hmm. on everyone that you know set the whole thing up especially lucifer is that her name yeah well i mean she retired or she she left excuse me (laughs) resigned she resigned back in like october Mm. which is like you've been at this for so long yeah why all of a sudden after all these headlines and all this attention are you resigning and throwing your hands up (laughs) too many protests outside of your office (laughs) with a megaphone and the cease and desist she was sending to fans and then they refused to back Mm -hmm. down knowing that it'd have to go to court and she'd have to prove that they... And she wouldn't show because up. Because she was lying. Well, it all came down to money, power, and glory. No yeah. pun intended. <laughs> but, like, it, it was gonna become too big for itself to sustain. Yeah. Especially with a fan base that is as passionate as Britney's. <laughs> yeah. Quick question. Have you ever actually met Britney? No. And I, I think I'm okay with that. Because I know her as, like, a frenetic person who's very sensitive and i think the fan aspect of stuff kind of makes her very weary these days and she's hard to trust everybody at this point in her life and i feel like going to something like a meet and greet experience right now especially while she's under something like a conservatorship uh wouldn't really have me leaving feeling like it was an enriching experience if that makes sense absolutely like all the tours i've been to where there was like a 600 dollar meet and greet package i flat Mm -hmm. out refused because i know full well she doesn't enjoy that kind of thing and if you i wouldn't want to pay 600 dollars to see her in a like a raincoat or a dressing gown do you know what i mean she just she shouldn't be doing it if she doesn't want to do it. And she clearly doesn't want to do it. I mean, the thing too is like, she's someone who mm. as like a person yeah. has been objectified and commodified since she was like 10 years old. Yeah. So I think a meet and greet experience for someone like her versus like someone like me, like a drag queen who, again, I'm, I'll never be as famous as her. I'll never walk. Oh, in yes, her you will. But like the meet and greet scenario we'll see. I'll let you manifest that for me. I don't want people thinking I'm too cocky. Um, (laughs) But I would say that, you know, I think it it takes having to walk in the shoes or at least empathize. So I can imagine why meeting and greeting isn't particularly her favorite. But I'd also say it comes down to uh, each interest... interpersonal fan experience i should say um because there's going to be the fans who are crying in her face and saying oh my god i love you so much and that's like the stuff she can't take 
but it she'll she'd prefer a fart joke yeah you know <laughs> and then she'll get a giggle and like give give the peace sign in the picture but if you're groveling over her i don't think she knows how to interpret that anymore and doesn't like to do you think she doesn't know how to handle like fan interactions because she's been so overprotected i think she has the ability i think I think what it comes down to is like what you were saying is being surrounded by a bunch of people like her mean greets come in tow with an entourage of at least 15 yeah. who are all eyes on everybody else and her actions and words. Mm-hmm. And we've heard that also from people who aren't in a meet and greet scenario with her and are on set of something like a Mario Lopez interview. Oh, yeah. And they got in trouble for asking her for a consensual selfie and her dad freaked the fuck out. So like naturally after a certain point, she's going to be terrified looking the entire time because it's like one toe out of line. You're probably not going to have access to your kids or something. Yeah. And like that's so fucked up that she even has to play by a game's rules that she didn't want to sign up for. Moving on to Cassie, who Mm. we all know has the logins to the Instagram account. Um, She just put up a big post trying to debunk the whole thing. Like, what do we think? Do we actually believe her? I don't know, man. She's got that post where she had a dinner cooked by Daddy Spears, and that's just enough to leave a weird taste in my mouth. And the book. Yeah, that book, though, to her to her defense, at least, like, that is a very popular book. My partner's mom has that book in, like, their guest bedroom in Utah, and I was, like, shocked when I saw that one day. I was like, oh. Britney's impact. But, um, I mean, it's... It's an uncanny coincidence, to say the least. What do you think is going to happen the day they give Britney all of her login details to Instagram? Can you imagine when she goes live? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if she deleted everything. Think of the live streams. I know. Well, that's the thing. Can you imagine what went through their heads when they saw her out on that stage when she was singing um, Give Them Something Mm -hmm. to Talk About with a live mic? You knew Jamie's colon was rupturing. Again. And the Mm -hmm. vocal quality. The vocals. So amazing. Like her, the level of vocal control she has. That's the thing that bothers me the most about this whole Britney scenario. And I know she has also said time and time again, she hates being called a victim. And I think that ties in with the fact that like, she is so much more plugged in and aware than I think not only the media or the general public give her credit for, but also a lot of her fans don't give her enough credit for it too. Well, I have, so I have a friend who used to, at the time, like when Glory was getting produced and starting to get shopped around for PR stuff. And he had a a friend who I guess was close to Sony and said that when Glory was still being like pieced together, Brittany would go to her team and say, well, you know how Beyonce has lemonade? Why can't I have something like that? So I think we see glimmers of that in Glory, like with Invitation as like an intro track and Coupia Electrique, however you want to say it um ends on like a very succinct note but like i again i see that but i think without restraint we'd actually be able to see like a fully fledged like art project from her because we see that sparking in blackout which is the only album she's ever executive produced and i think we would see that that would happen again something very big and momentous would happen especially for her 10th album like a switched on microphone. Yeah. So you're the owner of Drag Queen merch. You provide like the merchandise for most of our favorite drag queens on RuPaul's Drag Race. Are uh, you looking to expand outside of that? Like say like YouTubers, beauty gurus? Uh, we actually, we've been spanning beyond just drag queens. You know, we host yeah. all types of drag performers, but we also are supporting queer celebs of any kind of faction or anyone if they're not queer but queer jason just want to have a startup on their merchandising we're here for them who's your top client i would say our top client um is myself because it's me (laughs) with regards to like the landscape of celebrity itself where movie stars are technically being replaced by tiktokers and youtubers what do you think is the next logical step for the entertainment industry on a whole. I think the landscape as a whole is going to start to cave in on itself. On it, uh, sorry, in itself. But um, that's because there's no. It's not sustainable. There's no longevity to it. Like, and because it's formulaic, everything everything is um, homogenized. 
So after a certain point, people are going to get really bored and tired of it, especially when it's something that is uh, based on the merit of being replicated over and over and over again. So I think that its success, especially with how it's scaled in growth in the past year, can definitely be owed to the fact that like a lot of people are on their phones more. A lot of people are bored at home doing these TikTok trends. People are going to be very infatuated with not being stuck at home doing a one-two step on their selfie camera. So I think after a certain point, like people are going to think, wow, what's what's next? Like, because what's what's Charlie D'Amelio? No offense to Charlie D'Amelio. What's she going to do when TikTok dances ain't cool anymore? And to me, I don't really think they're that cool to begin with. I can't figure out TikTok to save my life whatsoever. I've got an account. I log in every now and then and just scroll. I'm going, I don't know what the hell's going on. Who teaches who to do what? How yeah, they... I deleted my account. It's, it's I tried. Are we too old? And it's is that what's really... wrong? I, that's the thing. Is like, I, that's the thing. Is like, it's so generational. And so like, I get a little leery of when people who are a little too old, not to be ageist, uh, mm-hmm. are on an app that's definitely meant for like, kids perez hilton like are we allowed on hive are we too old for hive everyone ran there yesterday okay i'm i'm vibing with hive though because okay so it's like i think it's an instagramified tumblr so you can do like text posts you can do image Ooh, the porn is back oh that's the thing is like it's not I mean, as it gets bigger, there's going to have to be some form of regulation because this isn't Breitbart. This isn't uh, fucking OAN or anything like that. But um, I think with a little bit of regulation to make sure that like there's not like gross stuff, like underage stuff, then like will be cute and good to go. Because as of right now, they're saying that the timelines in chronological order. We love that. That the algorithm isn't like meant to de-incentivize you or disincentivize you. Don't know what that uh, means. Based on posting too much. Oh. It feels like a very stripped down, rudimentary, like beta Instagram, which nice. I can vibe with. Love. I'm still on Vine, to be honest, on my own. <laughs> are, are, are you in the virtual garbage can with Vine? Where I belong. There's only me on there and I've blocked myself. <laughs> I do miss those days. A much simpler day. So, on to a very serious topic now. Drag Race UK. Thoughts? Lee, let me tell you. Tell me everything. I will say it. <laughs> I've said it before and I'll always say it. United Kingdom drag. Absolutely. Is so fucking good. It's so, so good. good. Um, I just like pre, even pre UK drag race, like I have always been in love with United Kingdom drag culture. I just find that the UK Queens, are more down to earth about everything. Mm. Whereas the, the U S Queens are all about numbers, followers needing to be the best, need to win this, need to win that. The UK ones just win a badge. Yeah, it's, I mean, you can really, especially if you've personally experienced both cultures, there isn't, and this isn't a bad thing, but culturally you can see that we have been conditioned so differently out Mm. here where it's like the numbers game ties into the fact that I think when a lot of us are coming into drag in a post-drag race culture, we've all been taught to view everything as a competition or if we're going to be better than someone. Mm. And that then goes back into like an even more um, intrinsic idea of comparing ourselves to people. So it's having to really break that down and it's really hard to unlearn a lot of that behavior. Mm. And I think we've seen a lot of that type of behavior echoed from early production editing of how something like drag race was on a mainstream scale for wide audience consumption to then help it whether you view it as good or bad train the audience to think that everything was this really cutthroat level of competition versus a point of being a community of togetherness yeah and i think we see a lot more of the latter in uk so who's your favorite then my favorites are taste and ginny lemon 
Wow. Um, I yeah. I mean, okay. So I'm not gonna be. I know this is very pageanty, but I seriously think that entire cast is probably one of, if not the strongest cast ever in terms of like the entire franchise. It feels so balanced and like everyone has such a specific identity and point of view. And I think that's something that you see a lot even more so echoed in UK drag in general. And everyone has such a very distinct character and identity where there comes that homogenization point out here in America, much like the TikTok effect, where everyone kind of starts to feel, and this isn't directed at anyone in particular. Give us the tea. But culturally, you can see how sometimes a look or aesthetic can come across as like <laughs> double dip. Stop beating around the bush. Who do you want to win? Ooh, mm, My, I'm feeling I, taste. Ooh, it's so hard. Okay, that's what I'm... Okay, I'm between Tace and Lawrence at this point. No, you, you've got to say it um, properly. Say it properly. Lawrence Cheney! Lawrence Cheney! <laughs> Lawrence Cheney! Uh, but um, I think... I mean, I love Lawrence so much. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting a couple of the girls on that cast in person, and Lawrence and um, Tace in particular... Uh, are just like so kind so so kind um and I, I just i don't know i don't i it's really hard to pick a favorite on this season in particular oh my god tace's um lip sync when he was in the bottom too that was incredible it was like it was like it was a work of art i know you could not compete with that those portrait shots like Get are it on you some kidding merch. me <laughs> you need it on your t-shirts i know the, the second it. taste wants to come over the door is open come give your money honey so tonight's episode is actually the last one they filmed before we went into lockdown because of miss rona and the pandora and did you, have you have you already heard what happened in this episode Okay, no. So I'm watching it after this, oh. but I do know that, or, or th this is what I've read rather. Um, they're doing like, there's like that, that episodic special that they're doing in between, right? Or am I making that up? I haven't heard that part. I've heard that. Oh my someone... god! Oh my god! The Twitter rumors got to me. I heard that someone's done something in this episode which is on par with what happened to Willem. Shut the fuck up. It's going to be the most, one of the most iconic exits of the entire show. Have I'm going to flip this? a table. No way. Oh, oh my God. So there's a. Don't tell me anything. Oh, but by the time this goes out, this will already have happened. Oh, yeah. So basically. It's yeah, fine. It's we, we, we can do a continuation. I literally do not spoil it because I, I need my jaw to hit the floor to feel something. Your wig is going to be in fucking space. Ah! My week has been in way. Uh, my wait, my, my wig has been Lord in space Jamie. every single week watching this series because every single elimination has gutted me. I know you kind of just want them to come back like all stars, don't you? Yeah, and like it's not even you know, that like I when think... they rig it up when they want like Alyssa to be there for the final. So as soon as she gets eliminated, <laughs> she's back in the same episode. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not even like when it comes down to the bottom two. I want one more to go down than the yeah. other and it was just like like last week i was so shocked at the elimination oh my god yeah i, I, I thought it gagged. would be a double save or something i was just like what yeah yeah i could I not believe I it I was, I was kind of praying for it but and then you watch like the american one you could send like five home in an episode well, it's no shade to the girls. It's, it's, I mean, it's definitely an observation I made about casting where it's like some casts feel way more balanced than others. And do you feel like the American Queens are at a disadvantage because they're airing against the UK show? Like they're on at the exact same time. Well, I do think that season 13 is a strong cast. I think it's a very interesting cast dynamic. I will say that there are previous casts that are deaf that like can pale in comparison. I would say when we're looking at back to back UK two with season 13 right now, I think from a production standpoint in terms of what challenges are been um, and I guess how more balanced and like how different the culture is, I prefer UK over us, 
but I am thoroughly enjoying season 13. Are you missing the UK? Lee, you have no idea. I literally, I miss it all. Like I miss the food. I miss all of you out there because it's like, I know that it's about business and I know it's work and a gig and all that good stuff, but it is definitely a community and like a togetherness that is really unmatched because in the days off that I have while I'm there or like on nights that we can get a little bit more floozy, it is amazing. And I would give anything to be back there. My favorite thing about um, Drag World and the DragCon weekends is that we destroy that hotel bar every single night. We do, but I always close out every night at the bar with a kettle of tea. A kettle of tea? You mean a pot of tea? <laughs> yeah, that. A kettle is the thing that boils the water. <laughs> well, oh my God. I'm American. Right. <laughs> I'm going to say three numbers to you and you tell me what they mean to you. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Three, five, four, or 354. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Iconic. It means legendary. Legs and dairy. Well... If you know, you know. If you know, you know. What'd you say? If you know, you know. Yeah, it's true. If you know, you know. And I will say, that goes back to what we were saying in the beginning of this conversation is like 30, uh, 354, if you know, you know. But that is the perfect example of self-aware trolling with longevity without being offensive. <laughs> well, I would like you to share your thoughts with the audience about 354. Um, from what I gathered, um, you did a transformation with James St. James, who is absolutely iconic. And I've been mm -hmm. obsessed with him ever since I saw Party Monster. I just thought, you're so blasé about a oh, murder. Yes. Like, I need to go out with you. Um, but yeah. So basically, your fans were relentless with World of Wonder demanding that the episode got <laughs> uploaded and they basically copied and pasted it and you got like, a three minute fucking bare bones transformation video that they didn't even promote. No, <laughs> they, they didn't. Okay. So this is the thing. What, what like was weird to me is that it wasn't a secret that I had recorded it as they had posted the behind the scenes day of on the wow Instagram. Yeah. So then they said it would be three weeks later. Obviously, as we know, it bears repeating with WoW, they're not particularly great with prioritizing their work timeline. And a lot of things can come up. So um, being that it wasn't a secret, my fans started asking over and over and over again, where is it? And so I started leaning into it as a meme and as a troll, which topicality wise was something I explained about by drag on set but I guess no one was paying attention. And I started making tweets about like, oh, it never happened. It never happened, <laughs> you'll have to ask them. I have no idea. And then it got to the point where like that carried on for months and to the point then where people were outside of like the world of wonder gates in Hollywood or, and screaming on their, Hashtag their free phones. Bible girl. Yeah, where's the transformations? And so that's, that is memory. <laughs> like no one was making threats. No one was being offensive. And then guess what? I did the clownery and the clown bit back. I got a three minute and 54 second transformation episode. And it's the shortest one on record. <laughs> but you still smash them views though. Oh, there's a shit. There's a shit ton of views. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't looked back at the comments or the views since like the first week that it went up yeah but the view count was massively high for a nobody uh, oh I, that was at the beginning of like 2016 yeah. when it came out so i mean i was still pretty small i mean i toured brazil but come um, to brazil that's what every single YouTube video on That Earth was has. my own personal goal that I manifested. To go to Brazil. Yeah, that happened all because of Twitter. Oh my God. That is insane. So when are we going to see you on RuPaul's Drag Race? Or is that just not in your orbit? All right. So here's the deal. I think Drag Race is fabulous. I think what it has done for the community, the artistry, the industry is wonderful. And the benefits and the positives cannot be ignored. That being said, and this isn't targeted towards anybody, it's my own direction of belief. Once everyone is welcome on Drag Race, 
then I'll feel comfortable going on track race. And also I'll probably wait until I'm like 35 and ready to throw in the towel. I think you've already made yourself such like a massive brand that you've built from the ground up without the help of a TV show. And you're already touring like the UK, attending Drag Con, Drag World, you know, going to Brazil. I just I don't even think you really need it. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that acknowledgement. And it's that's another point of why I don't feel that it's time or it will be time for a while for me to go on. Because I feel like I have my space in this industry. And I feel like there are so many other artists uh, that could do with the platform like that and could enrich people with what they bring to the table with their art. And I would rather not take up that space right now. And I don't think it'd be appropriate for me to do so. Do you know who I'd like to see on Drag Race? Who? Cat Wilderness. As would I. I mean, no one does it like the girl. What a powerhouse. She And she's the nicest person I've ever goddamn met. She was so... Just happy to be in London with a mom. Oh, and her mom is such a sweetie too. Her mom was literally the cutest and they wanted nothing oh. to do with us drinking in a hotel bar <laughs> at all. Because they're smart. Our brains are rot, girl. I mean, she got that main character, pop star energy. You, if If you could bottle it, sell it, and it could be bought, everyone would buy it. But guess what? You can't. Speaking of pop stars, lucky for us that obviously we're 90s kids. We grew up in the 90s. We lived through the heyday of Spice Girls, Britney Spears, the OJ Simpson murder (laughs) trial. And like kids today, they just, do you feel bad for them? I really think we have it the best because we've had so much crossover. And it's like so Y2K of me to say, but like we have the delicious like late 80s. We have Madonna to relish in. We have Janet Jackson. The 90s gave us everything we needed and more. And there's so many artists from the 90s that not only have so much contemporaneous longevity but also have birthed so many superstars through what they inspired i mean we got rihanna oh my god we got khalees in the 90s we still have khalees and rihanna ashley tisdale well rihanna sort of spice girls <laughs> yeah see the spice girls are we had the too. spice girls we had the, we had the bloody spice girls i mean there's no comparison but like, and th- this generation has Charlie D'Amelio, like, um, or Trisha Paytas, like. Yeah, I mean, like when you look at like the VMAs or the EMAs or anything like that, the celebrities have shifted. I mean, bring back the good old days when we had people like Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie that were famous for absolutely nothing, but we put up with it because it was funny. I mean, my favorite thing to always go back to for like that taste of that culture is obviously we know it's amazing on its own merit is the like a virgin hollywood vma performance but all of the audience cuts those are the juicy little things because if you look at all of the personalities that are crowded next to each other or who were alive at the time it is super surreal to see that type of a time capsule See, like, they cut to, like, Mary J. Blige, Justin Timberlake, Paris Hill. Carson Kresley, the original Fab Five. Like, all those people. I love the cutaway to Snoop Dogg, and he's just not having it. Laughing. He's clearly just sparked, yeah, absolutely Mm -hmm. dying his ass off. That was incredible. I would pay so much money to have been there for that moment. That was incredible. And, like, the fact that it was never... I don't think we're ever going to see that ever again, to be honest. Do you? You, I there, imagine. I mean, there will never be a type of celebrity of that caliber like Madonna, Extina, Britney, Missy on one stage at the same time. And I mean, think about this. It's like, I'm sure you get it. Britney is the only pop star to have performed with Michael Jackson and Madonna. So like on that merit alone, you will never see those types of energy ever again. Um, speaking of that Michael Jackson thing, my mum actually sent me that performance about a month ago and she goes, have you seen this? And I was it's like, amazing. have I seen this? Have I seen this? Have I seen this? I've recreated that in my bedroom about a million me goddamn too. times. Well, me on the stage was me, was me in the bedroom growing up. 
You know, I was the the hairbrush microphone type of faggot and just like <laughs> dancing off the walls. Would you ever ever consider doing music yourself? I yeah, I've never taken music off the table. I think in terms of personal aspirations for Bible Girl, I'm really happy uh, with not the fact that we had to be in pandemic or in a lockdown, obviously. But what I will say is that it has given me the opportunity to have a lot of introspect and get back to what made me who I am today, not only as a drag queen, but also as a person. So getting back in touch with that stuff has really reignited a fire within me of saying like, there is no limit. So I've been really going out of my box and I've started creating beyond just putting makeup on my face. I've been sewing and creating garments again. I've been storyboarding for digital drag content because I'm trying to make sure that every experience that I'm making for myself right now is one of growth so that when I come out of this, I'm also a more fleshed out and polished version of who I was before all of this began. So that's definitely like, I guess like a short-term, long-term. But for Drag Queen merch, my end-all be-all goal is to just maintain doing good business simultaneously while doing good work and uplifting others because that's just kind of what our platform's about. It's based on the merit of community and togetherness and being open-armed for one another. And I just want to keep amplifying that message and mission. How did you cope in lockdown? Like, what did you do with all your spare free time? I ended up like binge watching Mm. Ugly Betty and Desperate Housewives. And let me tell you, Desperate (laughs) Housewives does not hold up anymore. That's so funny. I did the same with Desperate Housewives uh, back when everything first happened. But in terms of what I've learned about myself, it's that like, I'm okay with sitting with myself and not having to like serve others before me from like a personal enriching standpoint and like, If I'm feeling anxious and paranoid, I just need to be able to sit with that and understand why, because it's probably for no reason at all. And just because I'm crazy. (laughs) And so like my coping mechanisms and behaviors have changed a lot. And I've understood how to listen to those frequencies in myself. Um, And then beyond that, just that like, I, this is this, I guess it'll sound a little cocky, but from again, a personal standpoint, like I don't have a reason to limit myself. I picked up a sewing machine after six years, after being told in college that it was time to change my major and that I was never going to be good at it. And that was just because ironically, I wanted to be a designer for drag queens, which is a booming industry now, but um, that I am capable and like I, I can make fully finished garments without having to follow the rigidity of being by the books and following my own intuition and gut and learning to trust myself is kind of the most ultimate thing that I've taken out of all of that. Wow, you went deep. I just spent the whole of lockdown watching pressure washer videos on YouTube. <laughs> oh, don't worry. It's not mutually exclusive. I still sit in my YouTube holes too. I also have become a parent to fish what and i'm very happy and my life is fulfilled (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so there's this it's like they're called fancy goldfish or miranda and so her name is miss fish (laughs) and then her tank mate uh i guess it's technically a loach but they're called a dojo fish so we just call them dojo Nice. And they're they have so much personality, it's actually beyond comprehension. So um I'm I'm able to talk to my fish on a daily basis now. So if there's something that I've learned about myself, I could audition for the role of Aquaman. Or Madison in Splash. <laughs> or if I was like a witch, they'd be my familiar and it'd be like the most inconvenient familiar to have to have to move them around with me. <laughs> I mean, like you gave the fish like exotic-ish names. I used to have a rabbit and I named me. it Flip Flop because I thought Flip Flop was the most glamorous <laughs> name I'd ever heard in my goddamn life because I was an idiot. S- super glam, much camp. <laughs> right. We're going to start closing this off now. Um... Fave Britney deep cuts. Go. Oh, wow. Um, beat goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, don't go knocking on my door. Yes. 
Um, bombastic love. Yes. Uh, uh, breathe on me. Yes. Get naked. Ooh, yes. Mannequin. Perfect. Uh, mm. Ooh, I'm, th- I'm trying. Me. I'm going through all of the tracks on Femme Fatale. He about to oh God. Me. Oh, don't make fun of me for this. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm between like that. Okay. Go on. Is it okay? It's between Inside Out or Big Fat Bass. Don't you, kill me. Big Fat. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I know. I know. Trash. I know. Um. Then Brittany and Jean. Again, don't kill me. Chilling I with think you? it should be easy is wild. No, chilling with um, you. Um, and then chilling with you. Not chilling not with you. Not chilling with Lou. <gasps> um. Oh, and then Glory. What's my What's my fave Glory D plot? Mm. The whole album. I mean, I feel like mood ring is imperative, mm-hmm. but um. Matches is kind of a slammer. Wait, but I really like the exaholic one. I won't lie. Have you heard that um, remix where they use um, like it's like a '90s Max Martin beat over it mixed together? Do you know what I'm on about? Yeah, my friend Trace made that one. Oh, it's really? amazing. His name escaped me. Yeah, Trace say. Adam. Cool. Right. If these bitches want to find out more about you, where can they find you, and what are you up to next? Uh, yes. So I am. Actually, tonight, but you can catch on my Patreon in general. I have all of my digital drag con that I'm pretty much uploading every single month. And what I've been doing for each of my projects is, like I was saying, storyboarding, uh, really recording creative process. So that's what I'm leaving up on my Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Bible Girl. And then Instagram is Bible Girl 666. Twitter is Bible Girl 222. And then Hive. Five. Bible girl. You got there early. I sure did. I debated on the numbers and I was like, no, you know what? What? Regular name. Oh, it's called a rebrand, people. Get with the program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's time now I say goodbye to the Chrissy Teigen of drag. You internet troll, all round legend. Has anyone ever called you the Chrissy Teigen of drag before? <laughs> That's a new one. I'll take it. <laughs> well, I invented it. Oh, thanks for being the first guest on What's the Gossip podcast. This is fabulous. I really appreciate it, Lee. Uh, we should catch up again in a couple of months to gather our information on the Free Britney movement, see where we are. A thousand percent, yeah. You call, I pick up. Us Britney fans gotta stick together. Of course. We're family, girl. Yeah, baby. One more time. Oh, baby <laughs> thank you to everyone listening thank you thank guys. you for having me lee congratulations no. on this endeavor thank you so much and i will see you on the internet the peace internet. that's exactly the last that's actually what you said to me in london <laughs> the last time i saw you i know you. i've got a brand i got a brand too all right then bye <laughs> bye